Hello and welcome. I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. We're still knee-deep in tech, and today we are recording episode 108. It's the 25th February of 2020, and we are for once missing Alexander. Oh yes, he is gone. <laughs> Temporarily, we would like to state. And if you're listening to this, Alexander has probably edited it in a very good way and probably removed most of the bad things we will be saying about him in the coming 30 minutes. <laughs> but I believe he is in Norway, if I'm not mistaken, and um, having trainings in Asher. So we'll have a real Nordic week this week, since apparently we have had the Swedish Finn day or Finnish Swedish day yesterday well i assume it's both actually but depending on which country you are in yeah yeah absolutely so, swedish finnish day is for the uh, finnish guys who are uh, living or are born and living in sweden with finnish heritage and then swedish finnish oh sorry finnish swedish <laughs> is the opposite so yeah. swedish guys in finland with swedish heritage yeah and Alexander is in Norway, and I'm going to Denmark tomorrow. So it's only Iceland left, but that's so far away and so expensive that uh, we will ignore them for now. Sorry about that. I would love to visit Iceland at some point. Oh, me too, definitely. Yeah. Alexander has been there, um, and he really liked it. Yeah, I remember him talking about that. So we'll do our best to uh, provide you with a great episode. And I think we should start with a birthday oh yes uh last week windows 2000 got 20 years two decades whoa uh, that's pretty big do you still know about organizations that are running windows 2000 uh thankfully no not anymore uh, nope. but when working as a consultant once in a while you did actually encounter those as well but yeah. uh, luckily, no, not personally anymore. But, cool. you know, I have so, sort of a nostalgic feeling for Windows 2000 because <laughs> that was pretty much the operating system that got me into IT as a career. So, I mean, I had done like PC building a few years prior to that. But I think it was pretty much like Windows 2000 that got me really hooked in IT and I got really interested in uh, technology and Windows infrastructure and uh, Active Directory 1.0. Have to oh. remember that. That's a yeah. big one. <laughs> so, so do you remember your first real assignment as a consultant or as an IT technician where uh, you worked with Windows 2000? Oh, no. No chance. <laughs> That's <laughs> way too far back to remember the first encounter, yeah. Uh, oh, the first encounter I actually had at home with Windows 2000 Professional. So prior to that, I was running, I believe, Windows 98. Yep. And then uh, when 2000 Professional came out, I just felt I had to try that. And from there, I was pretty much hooked for many, many years. Even I <laughs> so, think even when Windows XP was launched, I was still using 2000 Professional because hmm. I thought it was more stable and actually better. And... Remind me if I'm wrong, but weren't there at that point, like the Millennium part were the consumer-facing one <laughs> and the 2000 were the professional one? Or I'm completely wrong here. 
oh no, ME or Millennium, as it was called, was just complete garbage in every every aspect of the word or this description. It was complete garbage in every single way. And I, I can't remember anyone actually using it. So I though, did. Okay, so... When I built my first computer, that was the operating system running on it. Oh, no, no, no. So people running like Windows 98, the second edition, uh, just kept running that instead of going to Millennium <laughs> because that was such garbage. Because that's like, you know that I usually really love the things that no one else does. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Millennium, I still have very high hope, fond thoughts on that. Um <laughs> The only thing I didn't like were Vista, probably, but everything else. So, RT, Windows Phone, Millennium. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking out loud here. So, you know, there's a meme going around the internet, you know. Why can't you be normal? You know, the mom is driving it, you know, turning it. And Simon is sitting in the background screaming like, ah, Millennium! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, so... I wonder which will be the next operating system we will be looking back to with the same fond thoughts. Because I know after that, you, you know, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Windows 7. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. And that's that's also because, I, I, I mean, everyone liked Windows 7 pretty much universally. Yeah. And it was a long, long running uh, installation, just like Windows 2000, actually. So yeah. it was like 10 years plus even. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Windows 7. But like the, the reason why I may not agree on that is that I have a completely different... When we're out talking to people, I feel that many of them still thinks back to XP with more love than Windows 7. And it could be that it's, it's still closer. But it, it's like... Windows 7, when, when that were released and deployed, it was mainstream, a mainstream. Everyone had a computer at that point. So it was basically more of a... You, you, that's not the operating system you l- used when you learned how to use a computer. For many, at least in our business, it was probably XP from a mm. client point of view. Yeah, well, you could actually be right. But I, I'm, I might still be betting on Windows 7. So we'll see. Hmm? Speaking about things no one should love, WSUS. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's actually, in my case, uh, only for server patching. So There are options. Oh, Many I, options. I bet they are. But, uh, All we, better. Yeah, I'm sure, but still. Uh, <clears throat> so we are actually doing the modern uh, way around and using Intune for clients. Yeah, and have been using for a while, and everybody is really happy about it. It works very well, uh, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, but now that we are actually, you know, doing all the server migration stuff, uh, we need to have some uh, common way to uh, deploy patches to servers. And yep. decision was pretty easy. Just use WSUS. So two questions then: Why WSUS and not first and foremost Configuration Manager, and second Azure Update Management? Uh, configuration manager because we don't have that so that's a pretty easy answer what we're not big enough to have configuration manager we are only like 800 people yeah that's and, closing into uh, yeah uh, but still half of them are max ah yeah so okay. there's the culprit right there 
Yep, and I, I'm 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 all for Intune and Jamf. Uh, so uh, go ahead, but yep, for yep. servers, yep. Yeah, Azure update management then. Yeah, that could have actually been a, a possible solution, I suppose, because we are using Azure. Yep. Uh, however, I'm not sure what kind of requirements there are for using that. I mean, like license issues, agents, cost per server, stuff like that. Mm, I'm actually not completely sure. But that's something I have on my table to look into. Yeah, and so do I as of right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it together. We're going on an adventure. Yeah, share screen. Let's go browsing. <laughs> Azure.com. Yeah, this is what <laughs> shopping spree in Azure Marketplace. <laughs> that's the name for this episode. <laughs> yeah, shopping spree in Azure Marketplace. That's a good one. You're only allowed to buy the free stuff. Yeah. Enable <laughs> enable all the features. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's basically what you end up doing when you have a Tesla as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And then I suppose lastly, I actually got a uh, personal use case or let's say private use case uh, for Linux uh, last, late last, last week. Okay. So, I mean... Previously, you know, beginning from the year 2000, pretty much, I suppose, uh, Linux began getting pretty good reviews on the desktop side of things. I mean, servers, yeah. they're pretty much known for since forever. But on the desktop, they have always been lagging behind. But as of around, I suppose, 2000, uh, they were getting improvements real fast on the desktop space as well. So I made it like a like a plan for myself to actually try out, for example, like Ubuntu or CentOS or whatever they're called. Um, you know, periodically just install one, check it out, get the feel of it, Google everything as always you have to do. <laughs> How do you do this in Linux? What what kind of command do I write to do this and that? Yeah. So I usually tried, you know, every few releases uh, they uh, published out. And, I mean, throughout the years, they were get, just kept getting more impressive. So, last week was finally, after many, 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 many years, uh, time to try again. So, I downloaded the latest distro for Ubuntu, installed it. It took no time. It had, like, two questions during the install. And it was blisteringly fast, even in a virtual machine. Cool. Um, seemed to work very well, I suppose. I didn't have time to do like a deep dive or anything like that, but just, you know, scratch the surface a little. And I have to say, I'm, again, very impressed on how far they have actually gotten. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I actually couldn't test because, again, virtual machine was gaming, because I would have loved to be able to test that as well, since I know the Steam client is actually available there. I didn't know that. So oh. would all games be available now? I'm pretty sure no. But then again, I think there are a pretty huge number that actually are available through Steam. Hmm. But I I'm didn't know that. Pr pretty sure it's not all of them. But no. again, I'm not actually sure. It might be, you know, if they're running some sort of emulator or something in the background, so maybe. So, so what, what's the actual reason for this? Is it only to keep yourself up to date or do you have a desire at some point being of Finnish heritage? To run Linux? <laughs> uh, no, it's not for me in this case, actually. Uh, no? It was... Uh, uh, well, I can tell you the actual use case. Uh, it is my uh, little brother. Yep. Uh, 
you know, he uses his phone for pretty much everything internet uh, because that's his device that he gets to keep. And then he yeah. has at home like a media PC, which is connected to the, you know, living room TV and all that yep. stuff. However, uh, that machine is pretty much always occupied. Kids, wife, you know, yep. those people who always are occupying that. So he, <laughs> he never gets any time, uh, which pretty much means that if I send him some sort of link, it doesn't work on his phone and he doesn't have the possibility to check it on the TV. Oh. But he does have like a few older laptops. So uh, his friends were telling him, I mean, you know, just go ahead, install Windows 10. And then you can use a browser there and use the old computer. But my sentiment was more like, try Linux. Yep. Throw in Linux in there, because Linux is pretty much known to be uh, very fast and optimized, even on older hardware. Yeah. So that's why I just felt the need to, I need to check out the Ubuntu again. <laughs> so I need to check it out, test it out, and make sure that it does pretty much what he needs it to do. And if it goes well, then who knows? Maybe we try it out on actual hardware. Yeah. So that should be pretty interesting. Absolutely. And I, I've been working quite a bit with Igel, as you know. And mm -hmm. um, even from like a user's point of view, it, it's a good experience. Like you have the browser. It, it works as you assume it would work. Uh, and I've also have had uh, a discussion last week with an organization where they run Linux for it's especially their IT staff runs Linux to manage their Linux servers. Mm -hmm. uh, but they like, I remember when I tried out Ubuntu because I did try it out on one of. Do you remember the old netbooks? So oh, the yeah. small ten-inch laptops, which I really liked as well. Wasn't that like the mid two thousands or something? Yeah, sort of, kind of. My the first. Could have been the first laptop I purchased, and actually, I started off by running um, Mac OS X. <laughs> on oh, it. you poor man! Because it was it was a white LG netbook. Oh, okay. So I jumped through so many hoops to get Mac OS running on it. Oh, okay, okay. And and since Mac OS were built for a different aspect ratio of the screen. I own. I had like two centimeters of black on the right side of the screen, <laughs> but I was running Mac. Sure, I thought the form factor was actually pretty nice, uh, yep. if I rem remember correctly. And also, I th think the pricing was pretty good as well. However, there was one glaring issue with the, all of them: they were so slow. <laughs> the amazing slow. Atom CPU. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. agonizingly slow, really. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that I need to look into, especially Ubuntu again, because I, when I tried that on, when I failed with the Mac OS, mm -hmm. uh, I really liked that. It was a great, like, great operating system back then as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that definitely there are organizations that would benefit from running that as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, for basic basic Office use, it should be just fine. You know, you have your browser, absolutely. you have your basic Office suites, and what more do you actually need? Oh, no. maybe some collabor collaboration tools, but I think, is you, Teams even available? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's available since uh, about two months back. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so the full Teams client, 
So definitely. And and if you look at it from that perspective, you could use your office apps inside of Teams as well. Mm-hmm. So um, absolutely. And that brings us to some new announcements. Okay. From Microsoft at uh, the RSA conference last week. Ah. Uh, where they announced the general availability of Microsoft Threat Protection. So, which is basically one way to aggregate all the data, all the actions from Microsoft Defender ATP, Office 365 ATP, Azure ATP, and Cloud App Security. So you now have one uh, really cool console where you gather all of this and can take action based on what all of these different um, tools are reporting to you. And I was fortunate enough to be able to set up one of these for one of our customers last week. And it's quite amazing the amount of data you get in uh, into these tools. And I know that my colleagues um, really loves threat hunting and um, monitoring with Defender ATP. And to do the segue from Linux, Microsoft also announced the uh, Linux endpoint or the Linux agent for Microsoft Defender ATP. So we have had Mac OS for a while now and Linux was just released and Microsoft will be bringing agents to both Android and iOS as well. Very nice. It sounds like Microsoft should have like an anniversary pretty much with their Microsoft Loves Linux uh, thing that they announced at Ignite for a few years back. Absolutely. And I think that's even more obvious, even though I know from experience last week that the strong Linux community still looks at Microsoft with some bits of hesitation still. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And they probably always will. Yeah, probably, probably. I also saw that Microsoft were awarded like six different prizes for their security products at another conference uh, yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and of course, they also announced a bunch of new features for Azure Sentinel, oh, which is nice. something I will be looking into as well in a very near future. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like looking at what you're able to do it really also proves that from a technology point of view, we have everything we need. It's all about being able to use these tools in the correct way. And that's really where a good SOC or uh, something like that excels. Uh, because that that's really the, the craftsmanship of threat hunting, the craftsmanship of monitoring and surveillance and remediations. Uh, but it's quite amazing to see what you can see what you can do what you can control and of course you should always take into consideration um, privacy and integrity and such but from a threat protection point of view it's it's rather amazing where we are today oh yeah i just was going to mention that once again microsoft you know unifies their uh, different products into one with the uh, microsoft threat protection yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to need to look into that as well. Yeah, but it's not as they are taking away all their old portals. So it's one more portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for now, but I suppose they will be removing those, you know, as time goes by. Yeah, and they will also be, like, you, you have that portal, 
but you also get some insights into the actual data from other portals. So Microsoft Endpoint Manager, where I spend most of my time, will have a lot of integrations with this to be able to remediate, to be able to report on compliance, to be able to take actions if uh, and when uh, the threat protection finds something. So one central location where everything is aggregated and then you can get insights from different other uh, admin centers as well, which makes total sense. Absolutely, very nice. Yep. Uh, Speaking of Microsoft Endpoint Manager, we have some new features in Microsoft Intune. And since uh, Alexander isn't here, there will be very little Power BI in this week's episode. Uh, I do, however, have a challenge for him sent in from my colleague Jordan, so we'll take that offline. That's probably the only Power BI-related sentence we will have in this entire episode. Yeah, and that will be taken offline. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. (laughs) Yes. So uh, the last service release, which were released last week for Intune, uh, speaking of threat protection, we now have the integrated an integrated application type in Intune to deploy Microsoft Defender ATP for Mac OS. So as you may know, uh, and that's something since you're running Macs and running Intune, something you really should be looking into as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And you know that we have integrated apps for Edge and Office Pro Plus for Mac already. So this only... Um, brings us the ability to actually onboard Max even easier. And the experience is really, really cool, to be honest. Like, I've been running Max for uh, a couple of months now um, for for some customer assignments I have. And the experience you get is, is rather amazing, I must say. Like, it's, it's really clean. It's super easy to get going. Uh, you get all the benefits that you're expecting from uh, an MDM. So I, I really like that. Uh, we also now have, and this is something that I find so much fun whenever I get to meet people that work in the networking part of IT. Because when I meet them and bring to the table that we can actually integrate Intune with Cisco, especially. Meraki? With uh, not Meraki, as far as I know. From a VPN point of view, that should work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can integrate with ISE and also network access control with AnyConnect. So basically saying that if you aren't compliant, if your device aren't compliant, you're not allowed to reach certain networks or connect to a certain network using VPN. Uh, and that's something that very few organizations actually for some reason, haven't implemented. But if you have Cisco networking equipment and Intune, you should definitely look into that uh, because that also brings a bunch of other cool ways of both enrolling devices, but of course also securing them and making them compliant without allowing them to roam around on your internal network. Very good. Is it also supported for multi-factor and stuff? I suppose, yeah, because Cisco stuff usually is. Yeah, yeah, should work. Uh, You now also have, speaking of updates, we are also now getting a bunch of new features on how to manage updates for iOS and iPadOS devices. Uh, And they will probably bring more of that to the Mac as well. But especially for iOS and iPadOS devices, that's also quite cool that we now actually can control them. And, And that's both from a 
like stability point of view and that you shouldn't be upgrading iPads, which is a very common uh, device in, in Swedish schools during class hours. But we also have, or we have an old customer, which one of the which has one of the biggest environments with iPads in Sweden, probably. Like some, they must be up to close to 20,000 iPads or something like that now. Um, and they've had some real struggles with Wi-Fi uh, performance when they weren't able to control these updates. Since all of those poor devices go out at the same time, every Thursday at 9 this particular customer had and were asking for updates and they were given them and when 20,000 iPads start you asking for updates no network in the world survives that <laughs> over, wire, over wireless should be added yeah sure but okay so so Apple devices or I suppose Android devices they don't have like this time skew randomizer thing no implemented not in that at case all. okay no. because I know if you set like a Windows PC to do something at three o'clock. Yeah, uh, it will still like randomize that, so it's three o'clock or plus or minus like thirty minutes. Yeah, and that's just because so that not all devices will attack the server at the same time. Yeah, I'm so not I, I'm actually sure if that it is um, uh, the thing with ex- Windows Update for specifics, but I know that group policy works like that way, for yeah. example. Yeah. And uh, like now you have all the options to have local caching servers for iPadOS and so on. But again, that enforces you to look at your network design as well. Because if you have designed your network wrong, uh, that won't help you at all. But this will help you a part of the way at least. Mm -hmm. Okay. So lots of cool things happening. And speaking of Intune, I actually have a specific question for you that we can take offline as well. Oh, so the the offline episode, that that's an that's well, also uh, well. If you, I mean, if you re- really look at it, it, is offline because we're not recording live. <laughs> you just did that again, <laughs> or I did that the first time. <laughs> so, uh, looking ahead, I think that we first and foremost need to uh, announce for real this time, that we will be hosting a global Azure bootcamp in Linköping on April 25th. Uh, we will be adding a link to that event in our notes later on, but we'll be at the same location as last year, and we will be bringing you, as previous years, two tracks, one for developers and one for IT professionals. And everything will be, of course, Azure-focused. And I do hope that I can get some Linux uh, experts there as well because I actually have a few uh, openings for that so we of course hope that as many as possible can join us in Linköping on Saturday the 25th of April uh, either as attendees or as speakers so if you would like to speak uh, on any Azure related topic please reach out to me Tony or Alexander or Johan Dahlbom and we will be keeping you updated on the schedule the speakers and so on but um, we will have a very very good turnout this year yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure as well but um, a quick question about that uh, has the event been posted on the official site yet i think it have uh could also be that alexander lied to me 
Okay, because I just remember last time I checked it wasn't actually there yet, and that is pretty much because of the location was still missing. Yeah, but it could also be that um, they, they are actually quite good at vetting the events so that you shouldn't be able to post whatever. Uh, but it looks like we... Yep, we are on the map. So, Global Asher Bootcamp, Linköping. And for you that are listening from other parts of the Nordics, there will be Global Asher Bootcamps in Borlänge, uh, Stockholm, Göteborg, Gothenburg, Malmö, Linköping, Helsinki, Oslo. And that's it, as far as I can see, currently on the map. Riga as well. So there will be options. And mind and note that not all of these events will be on the 25th. Stockholm, as an example, is on the 24th. Uh, Gothenburg 25th. Most of them will probably be on the 25th. Oslo will be on the 23rd. Weird. Uh, Wasn't that like the whole point of the bootcamp thing? That it is like running at the same time all over the world? Yeah, but... Or at least same day. Yeah, but there are parts of the world where they don't want to run it on Fridays or on Saturdays. Uh, And also in terms of getting people to actually join. Some events have decided to have it on a weekday rather than a weekend. Which makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of that, I've just been confirmed for Ignite the t- Microsoft Ignite the Tour uh, as staffing uh, this week in Copenhagen and in April I'll go to Berlin as well as Stockholm in May and I know that Alexander will be at least in Stockholm so we'll see about that uh, I also would like to push for a WVD event a new kind of event I think you will really like this so Microsoft is now planning new kinds of events. This WVD event in Amsterdam, where I'll be speaking, is one of them. Which And they are named Microsoft Meets Community. So it's basically a Microsoft-hosted event at the Microsoft Office, but all the speakers will be MVPs. Oh, nice. So there will be a short Microsoft keynote. There will be a special guest in, in this case uh, as an end note of the event. But then we are six MVPs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which will be talking about WVD. So it's it's a way for Microsoft to bring the best the community has to offer and host a great event. Yeah, and utilizing the MVPs a bit more as well. So that's yeah. always a great thing. And yeah. uh, VVD also, for those who don't know, is Windows Virtual Desktop. Thank you. It's always fun and, and great when you have someone with structure in the podcast. <laughs> uh, so that I, I'll post that link as well. Uh, it's open to sign up. Uh, you can join, or you, you can't join in Amsterdam probably uh, because we have a huge uh, waiting list, but you can join over Teams from wherever you are. Very nice. And on that, it's time to end. I think we managed this just fine, Tony. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll see what Alexander thinks afterwards, but we will be back hopefully next week if nothing serious happens. And until then, have a great one. Bye. Bye now.